think we focus enough on Thanksgiving? Hi, this is Wayne Shepherd, and may I be among the first to wish you and your household a very happy Thanksgiving this week. But to remind us just how important Thanksgiving is and how easily neglected it can be in our personal lives, Bible teacher Dr. John Whitcomb is going to take us to a very interesting passage in Luke chapter 17 today, here on Encounter God's Truth. In this passage, Jesus healed ten lepers who had begged him for a miracle. But what do you suppose their response was after he granted their request? Here now to present us with a special Thanksgiving message is Dr. John Whitcomb. His presentation is entitled, Only One Said Thank You. Greetings, friends, and welcome to our meditation on the significance of Thanksgiving. We're not talking about the significance of the celebration in America through these nearly over well over 200 years, but thank God that our nation was founded on the basis that God's Word is ultimate, supreme, infinite, eternal, and precious, and we should thank God for this nation and how it was started. We're thinking of a broader perspective today. What the Bible says about Thanksgiving, Old Testament, New Testament, it's absolutely amazing, shocking, in fact, and I say that for myself too, dear friends, that God actually commands us to do what? To give Him thanks for everything He has done, everything He's doing, everything He will do for us. Here's how it sounds. Are you ready? Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. Philippians chapter 4. Listen to this. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5. Thirdly, first of all, then I urge that thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. 1 Timothy 2. And finally, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, Ephesians 5.20. Now, friends, on this great Thanksgiving celebration time for our nation, we need to really understand what God means by Thanksgiving, and we're thankful to him for what? What has he done that creates within our heart a desperate desire to thank him, night and day, day after day, as long as we live? Well, friends, Let's consider it this way. This is not the normal response of the sinful heart of man. Even in times of health and prosperity, do we really thank God for what he has given us? Listen to what he told us in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, about unthankfulness. Are you ready? Luke seventeen eleven, And it came about, while Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem, that he was passing between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a certain village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. In the Bible times, you remember, a leper had to stay away from everybody outside the walls of the city, lest they contaminate other people. It was a dreadful disease. It was uh, shocking. It was a horrible way to die. That's how God cursed, in fact, uh, one of the kings, you remember, of the Old Testament, Uzziah, who tried to usurp the rights of a high priest in the Holy of Holies and was rebuked and stricken with leprosy till he died. Now, what about these ten lepers that Jesus met one day? Listen to what happened. They raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Not just Jesus, but Jesus, Master. Not give us what we deserve, but give us mercy. And, of course, they're talking about what? Their horrible physical condition of leprosy. What a challenge lay before them to talk to the creator of the universe, the savior of the world. And what, what did Jesus do? It says, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. You see, friends, in the Old Testament, whenever a leper experienced cleansing, he would go to the priest 
to show him what his bodily condition now was to officially permit him back into the Hebrew community. And so Jesus didn't say you're cleansed. He said, you start walking toward the priest. And that, in other words, you have to show your faith in my power to cleanse you by obeying me. You start moving toward that priest. Okay, now what happened? Look. He said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And it came about that as they were going, they were cleansed. Yes, exactly what Jesus wanted them to do. To first of all, show responsiveness, uh, an obedience to his command, and therefore the respect for him. And there, at that point, they were cleansed. But how sad. Look at the next statement. Now one of them, not all ten, only one of them, when he saw he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet at the feet of Jesus, and giving thanks to him. Look at this. And he was a Samaritan. Just like, you remember, the good Samaritan, who was the only one, not the Jewish leaders, he was the only one of those who passed by this wounded, dying man to give him what he needed for survival and to pr- provide totally for him financially. In other words, that was a lesson, wasn't it, to all Jewish listeners. Don't think you are superior individually, personally, to everybody else in the world, to Gentiles, even Samaritans, who were despised by the Jews and had been, you remember, for seven or eight hundred years. He said, now watch this. The Samaritan came back to thank me. Now, keep reading, friends. This is astounding. Okay? Jesus answered and said, Were not there ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was not one found who turned back to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he, Jesus, said to him, the Samaritan, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, friends, some people believe, and this is possible, of course, that even though all ten were cleansed, that's clear, that's obvious, only one was a genuine believer in Jesus. They, all of the rest of them believed enough to be healed, yes, But did they know that this miracle worker, this supernatural healer, was the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Savior of the world? I wonder if they really knew that, and whether they were saved by faith in him because of who he was. And that's that's a profound question, isn't it, dear friends, as we think about this business of being thankful. A genuinely redeemed, born-again, regenerated heart, mind, soul, and spirit, inevitably, constantly, increasingly, in fact, says, thank you, God, for who you are and what you've done in my life to give me things I don't deserve. By the grace of God, friends, he gave this gift. What gift? You remember John 3.16? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that's Jesus, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have right now and forever everlasting life. A free gift. You just All you have to do is receive it. You don't pay for it. You don't do anything to earn it. You don't deserve it. You just say, thank you, God, for your gift of eternal life. Now, it didn't cost God nothing. It cost God the gift of his own son. What an agonizing three hours that was on the cross when Jesus bore the sin of the world. He became, he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of, righteousness of God in him. And so God the Father made his son sin. He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God through Christ forever. What a gift, what a provision, what a marvel that is. And I say thank you, thank you, God, for what the Lord Jesus, your beloved Son, did for me on that cross 2,000 years ago. Now, friends, as you begin to think through the whole system 
of revelation in the Bible on this matter of thanksgiving, being thankful, we, we find that at the be- even from the beginning of the world, even in the hearts of our first parents, Adam and Eve, the Bible says in Romans 1, though they knew God, now wait a minute until you hear this, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Romans 1. And I say that is amazing. That is my propensity, my, my basic fundamental characteristic as a, as a person with a sin nature. Even though by the grace of God, 68 years ago, I, I came to know Christ as my Savior and was redeemed, justified, born again, saved. I still have, to, as long as I live on this earth, a sin nature. Even the great Apostle Paul said, every time I want to do something good, something in me says, no, do something bad. There's, oh, wretched man that I am, he said, who shall deliver me from this body of death? But he said, I thank God for Jesus who died for me and gives me new life. Now, friends, there are some very difficult circumstances we might experience in life for which we wonder how can we possibly give thanks to God for these. Well, I say, now, Lord, help me to understand that my circumstances will never be as serious as some of your servants back in the Old Testament, for example. Uh, take, take, for example, Jonah, who deliberately disobeyed God. He was a prophet of God, but God said, now you go to Nineveh, that's several hundred miles east of, of where he lived in the Holy Land, and you preach to them that they might repent of their evil deeds and come to the knowledge of the true God. But Jonah, like others in Israel, hated the Ninevites, the, the Assyrians, so deeply. He didn't want them to be saved. He wanted them to be destroyed. So believe it or not, he went down to Joppa and got a ship heading toward Tarshish, toward Spain, in the opposite direction from where God wanted him to go. And God had to have him thrown overboard. He was ready to die in the ocean. But amazingly, God provided a giant fish to swallow him. Now listen to what happened while he was inside the body of the gigantic fish, deep in the Mediterranean Sea. And it says... He had weeds wrapped around his head. And he, as a disobedient prophet, cried out and finally cried out, Listen, friends, I will sacrifice to thee, said Jonah, with the voice of thanksgiving. Jonah chapter 2. And in response to that amazing prayer, the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah up onto dry land. Then what did he do? He decided to go back to Nineveh like God had told him to. And to warn them, 40 days, 40 days, and the city will be destroyed. And guess what? Jonah hoped they would not believe, that they would not repent so that he could see them destroyed. So he went up on top of a hilltop, moping before God, said, I, I suspected you're a merciful God, that you'd forgive people who, who repent, but I'm sorry that you're going to do this to them. Now, did they really repent? Were they really thankful to God for what happened to them? Well, Jesus said, you remember, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the end of the age and condemn others because at the, at, the pre, now listen, at the preaching of Jonah, they repented. They believed the message about the one true God of Israel, through whom alone they could be saved, justified, cleansed, purified from the awful penalty of sin forever. They did repent. He did preach. Among, and he didn't just say, in 40 days the city will be destroyed. He must have said, if you don't repent, it will be destroyed. In other words, it was conditional upon their non-repentance that the city would be destroyed. And hundreds of thousands of them genuinely believed in their heart in the God of Jonah, the God of Israel, and were saved. And I say, now, Lord, 
I'm just amazed at that. Because what worse circumstance in life can I imagine than, than the one that Jonah was in, inside the body of that marine creature? My. Well, friends, even more amazing, perhaps, is the experience of the prophet Daniel, one of the greatest prophets, of course, of the Old Testament, a man true to his Lord, no matter what. You remember his three friends in the fiery furnace refusing to deny the Lord and how God rescued them? Well, the time came when Belshazzar, the king of Babylon, was killed one night by the Medo-Persian army that took over the city, the temple, the whole land, and deported the Jews, you remember, to, to Babylon. Well, the, the king of, of Persia, Cyrus the Great, appointed Darius the Mede to rule over Mesopotamia, that portion of his kingdom, including Babylon. And he became the leader of the land where Daniel was functioning, representing the nation of Israel. And one day, Darius the Mede was duped, deceived, and manipulated by his leaders into making a decree that nobody, nobody would be allowed to make any petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for thirty days, lest he be cast into the lion's den. How blasphemous, how awful. So when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and what? Listen, giving thanks before his God, as he had been doing previously. Friend, what do you think he was thanking God for? If I if I had been there, or you, wouldn't we have said, Lord, I don't deserve this. I'm, I'm, I'm so frustrated. I'm so sad, defeated, that this command, I can't even pray now without praying through Darius the Mede. What blasphemy that would be. But he's thanking God for what? For even having a praise to pray for. To even have a Jerusalem where he knew someday the temple would be rebuilt to be a center for worship as it was under Joshua and Zerubbabel, the second temple. He knew what God had done, you know, for a thousand years in the tabernacle temple. And he knew what God was going to do in the next temple that would be built. And he was praying with thanksgiving to God for who he is. He knew, of course, from Jeremiah, the prophet, that this captivity in Babylon would be for 70 years, not thousands, 70, and that the third generation, therefore, would come back to Jerusalem again. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for answering prayer in advance. And you know what happened, don't you? They came and found him there. They looked for him. They were watching him, trying to trap him, and they found him and told him, didn't you sign an interjunction that any man who makes a petition to any god or man beside you, O king, for 30 days, is to be cast into the lion's den. Now, Darius the Mede, of course, was being manipulated, wasn't he, by these wicked men. So he said, The statement is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. And then they answered it and spoke to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king or to the injunction which you signed, but keeps making his petition three times a day. Listen, friend, are you as famous, am I as famous, as Daniel was famous, for what? Our consistency, our faithfulness in praying to God. How about at mealtimes and restaurants? Are we ashamed to see people, have people see us bow our heads in thankfulness? That's becoming sadly rare today, isn't it? In the so-called Christian land in which we live, the United States of America. But three times a day he visibly, openly bowed toward Jerusalem and acknowledged the God of Israel, the past, yes, the present, and the future plan of God for that chosen people. So just like one of those 
ten lepers came back to thank Jesus, so Daniel said, Lord, I want to thank you. Just like Jonah in the belly of that whale thanked God, so today, friends, in whatever circumstance we may be, surely not as horrible as what Jonah had or even Daniel. We're to say, Lord, even in the midst of this suffering, this loss, my lack of a job, my lack of adequate finances or food, lack of spiritual and physical strength and power, I thank you that I even have a Savior who cares for me and loves me and paid a price for my redemption. So, of course, Darius Hamid was shocked to discover that he had been victimized by this trap, and he had no choice but to throw Daniel in the lion's den and seal it shut, being totally sure by morning Daniel, his favorite minister, would be dead. So the next moment, next morning, with a troubled voice, he came to the entrance of that deep, dark cave and spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the, from the lions? What do you think happened next? Listen, friend, one of the greatest miracles in the history of the world. Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, inasmuch as I was found innocent before him, and also toward you, O king, I have committed no crime. Someone has said those lions couldn't touch him because they could see he was solid backbone. Friend, what a testimony to the power of God in an apparently hopeless situation. Can't you just imagine every time those lions tried to bite him, they, 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 they just went back. They couldn't. So all night long, he's thanking God. Thank you, God, for sparing my life. Help my survival in this lion's den to be a testimony to your uniqueness as the only God who can really perform a miracle, who can really answer prayer, a prayer of thanksgiving on the heart from a heart of a true believer. And I say, Lord, I want to be like that Samaritan who came back to thank Jesus for healing him. I want to be like Daniel, who refused to compromise his priorities in thankfulness to God just to survive and to save his neck. And thank you that, like Jonah, in the midst of horrible circumstances, was thankful to God for his survival. So, Lord, as long as we have breath on this earth and life, help us, too, to be thankful for everything that you have done and that you are doing and that you will do according to the promises of your word. And so here's what the Bible says. Now, listen carefully, friends. This is hard for me to believe. I, I trust you. It's something that only the Holy Spirit can illuminate our hearts and minds to truly comprehend and understand. Are you ready? In every conceivable circumstance, quote, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. What's that? Listen. That is the fruit of lips giving thanks to his name, Hebrews 13. Well, why should we do that? Listen to Paul in Romans 8 now. Because we know we're not just guessing or hoping or dreaming or speculating. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Thank you, dear Father, for Romans 8.28. In the midst of every circumstance, every tragedy, and here's a final perspective, friends, that I hope will be thrilling to your heart. Listen, when we go to heaven, we'll be saying, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to, your, to our God forever and ever, Revelation 7. So let us ask God to help us today, friends, to be thankful to him for his infinite grace and love in sending his son to pay in full the penalty of our sins, which we can never pay. What a gift! Yes, 
Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And so, friends, like that Samaritan leper who came back to thank Jesus for his healing, I offer to you a blessed and happy Thanksgiving as we thank God for all he's doing today in your life and my life for his glory. Well, on behalf of Whitcomb Ministries, I want to say that we thank God for the stations and outlets that bring you this broadcast every week. And we also thank you, dear friends, for listening and praying for us. And that takes us to a question that each of us really needs to focus on this week especially. Let me ask you, Dr. Whitcomb, it's interesting that the Apostle Paul places such an emphasis on the importance of thankfulness, or if you will, thanklessness, when he discussed the doctrine of depravity in Romans chapter 1. Why do you think that the issue of thankfulness is so crucial to man's relationship with God? Friends, this is a vital question. Our relationship to our God, our Creator, our Lord. In the opening chapter of the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Now watch carefully what we're doing to him. Because that which is known about God, it's known is evident within them in in our heart of hearts. For God made it evident to them. Look how clear is God's revelation of himself in creation. And he goes on to explain in Romans 1.20, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen. See, there's nothing vague about it, is there? Being understood through what has been made. So they are without excuse. The universe... The world, living things around us, ourselves, could not have ever gotten here by pure chance through billions of years from nothing. No, we were designed by God, created by God, and it's evident every breath we breathe, every thought we think, every word we utter is a reflection of the fact that God designed us and created us in his image and likeness, as Genesis chapter 1 tells us so clearly. Now notice in verse 21, and here's the point, even though they knew God, And all of us, as we shall see, know him to some extent sufficiently. They did not honor him as God or give thanks. Or do what? Give thanks. God designed us in such a way, dear friends, that everywhere we look, every moment we think, we realize we owe to God everything we are and everything we do for him. And I say, well, well, wait a minute. Does everybody in the world know that? Or just a few Christians? No. At the end of chapter 2 of Romans beginning in verse 14. When Gentiles, who do not have the law, do not have the law of Moses, do instinctively the things of the law, these not having the law are a law to themselves. So every human being has a built-in reflection of the truth of God from creation. And it goes on to explain that. Verse 15. In that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts alternatingly accusing or else defending them on the day when according to my gospel god will judge the secrets of men through christ jesus friend don't say to yourself there is no evidence of god there's the evidence of creation is insufficient it's all controversial i don't want to be bothered by god get out of my life no no god says your conscience will condemn you your heart of hearts knows that you are here by creation And I say, Lord, help me to be thankful in the light of what I really, really know in the depths of my heart and soul and conscience about you. And that way I can rejoice in everything God has done because I know that he is faithful, he is truthful, 
He is loving. He is patient with us because he knows that we have his image and likeness and therefore are qualified to be saved by grace. Yes, not by our works, but by his grace we can believe in him. We have the capacity in our heart to believe, to be thankful for what he's done, who he is, and what he's doing today. And I, I ask this question of myself constantly. Am I thankful? Am I just starting my day assuming everything's under control, that I have it all figured out, I do, that I don't even need God? Friend, I want to start each day saying, thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you for putting me here on your planet Earth. Thank you for giving me, giving me a heart to know you, a conscience to be aware of you. Help me to be thankful, thankful day by day in all that I do and all that I say about you. Help me to love you, to serve you, to reflect you into other people's lives so they too can thank you for who you really are. Thank you, Dr. Whitcomb. Well, once again, I'm Wayne Shepherd for Encounter God's Truth from Whitcomb Ministries. And I want to let you know that there are several more messages by Dr. John Whitcomb on the subject of Thanksgiving on our webpage at sermonaudio.com forward slash Whitcomb. While you're at home this week, you may also want to take a look at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Whitcomb Ministries, or submit a Bible question at whitcombministries.org. You know that on Encounter God's Truth, we believe that God's Word is true from the beginning to the end. So in that regard, I would like to close this special holiday broadcast with the words of Psalm 9, verses 1 and 2. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. 